Amen. Good morning. Let's go ahead and turn over to John chapter 11. We'll get there in just a moment. So why is trust an issue for so many people? Because it really is. We have a hard time trusting because at some point we've been hurt by a person, maybe a group of people, maybe an organization. It could be a one-time incident, or perhaps it could be something a bit more systemic. Whatever, whoever, and wherever, you've been hurt. And it's even worse if the offending person didn't apologize. Or if the offending people didn't change. Or if the offending Organization didn't improve. The hurt can still remain, along with a lack of trust that will stop you dead in your tracks from moving forward in your life. So what do we do? Even if there's, even if there's no apology, there's no change, there's no improvement, And whatever it was that was coming at you, what do we do? Do we just stop? Do we just say, that's it, I'm done, I'm just going to basically go through the rest of my life right here at this point, and and I'm never going to really trust again, I'm never going to really grow, and I'm never going to really move forward. Is that what we do? We just stop? Or do we say, you know what, maybe there is a way I I can move beyond this. Maybe there is a growth, maybe there is a change in my life. How do we move forward? How do we figure out a way that I'm going to trust again? And I'm not saying it's easy, because it's not easy. But what I am saying is that it's necessary, because we have to be able to move forward. And while many people in this world will feel like there is no way to trust, and there is no way to move forward, we as Christians know other. Because we know that there is a way to move forward, and there is a way to trust. And that is found in Jesus. And that is our saving grace and our saving hope in everything we do. We look back and we say, I know this isn't right, that's not right, this, is, this needs to change, that needs to improve, whatever it is. But I love God and I trust Jesus. So I know that I can move forward. I can get to a better place with this. And that's what I want to talk about today. It's really being able to set yourself up to move forward, trusting in Jesus in everything. The key is right here. And I love this scripture. It's not about Jesus. It's about God, but they're one and the same, so it works. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You see, how we respond to a situation is determined by how we perceive that situation. Especially if we perceive that situation as a threat. And that real-time perception is oftentimes a preconceived perception based on a past experience that is still stuck in your head. And that becomes your understanding of what's going on right now. And that's where a scripture like this speaks volumes. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. We have to consider, you know what? 
maybe I'm just a bit more jaded by my past experiences than I'm even aware of. Or maybe then more than I'd even like to believe or admit. You know what it says here in verse 6? It says, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. All of your ways. So that would include your past experiences along with your present reality. And everything that makes up the sum of my life. Looking back, looking present, and even looking ahead. In all of these things, I've got I've to submit to God. I've got to take all those thoughts and all those experiences, whether they be past, whether they be present, or even things I may anticipate in days to come, and just say, God, you're in control of all these things because you know all things. We acknowledge God's presence. And the promise from Scripture is that he will make your path straight. And that's something you can depend on, you can believe in. You know, the Bible speaks of this straight path oftentimes. Do a search on it. You'll see that this comes up time and time again, all through New Testament. God says, I'm going to put you on a path. I'm going to set you on a path. We see it all the time. And it really refers to being on a path of truth, being on a path of righteousness, but also being on a path of peace. Isn't that what we want? I mean, is there anybody that doesn't want to live in peace? Is there anybody that doesn't want to live in the realm of righteousness? And is there anyone that doesn't want to live in the realm of truth? We all want to be there. And that's a difficult thing to find on planet Earth. It's not a difficult thing to find in the realm of heaven. And so God can lead us on that path into truth and righteousness and to peace. And when it comes to trust, that is the path that we need to be on. And so I want to take a little bit of a, a closer look at that today. And we're going we're gonna to work our way through a little bit of John chapter 11. So turn there. There are no other slides. I'm putting the clicker down. We are done with this. So don't expect all kinds of pictures and slides. You got to read your Bible and follow along. This is old school, even though I'm using a tablet Bible. But it's still old school. It's the same scriptures and it all works. So anyway, John chapter 11. Take a look at this with me. Beginning of verse 1. Very familiar scripture, perhaps looked at from a little different perspective today. At least I certainly hope so. Beginning of verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That's significant. Okay, so mark that in your, in your mind. We're coming back to that at some point. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, while the Jews were were there, they tried to stone you and, and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's lights. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. 
But his disciples thought they meant natural sleep. Surprise, surprise, right? So they told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's go that we may die with him. What a, what a cheery conversation that was. Now, you can, you can see the problems brewing right here. I mean, this is, this is on a, a path to disaster, this whole conversation, this whole scenario. The sisters have a crisis on their hands. Lazarus, their beloved brother, is, is on his deathbed, and they know it. And the only hope was Jesus, who unfortunately was not around. But they knew where he was. So we're going to send word to Jesus. And so that's exactly what they do. They send word, and what do you think they were expecting? That Jesus would drop everything right then and there, hit the road, come on in, and heal Lazarus, and everything would be okay. And they remind Jesus, this courier had a message. Lazarus, by the way, is the one you love. Okay, so just the way to establish that, the one you love, the one closest to your heart, is, is lying on his deathbed. See, they, they trusted in the relationship. They trusted in the relationship that they had with Jesus. Jesus won't let us down. Jesus will be right here, and everything's going to be just fine. Well, now we see in verses 5 and 6 what happened. He waited two days before he even left. I mean, that's crushing. Can you imagine how those sisters were feeling? Not to mention Lazarus. Two days. Now, here's here's the kicker. Jesus was less than two miles away. Now, even with sandals and a dusty dirt road, at best, that's a 45-minute walk. Maximum. 45-minute walk. But he he stays where where he is, two days. Within those two days, Lazarus dies. And I bet Mary... And Martha were absolutely crushed by that. We trusted you. We trusted in this relationship. Why didn't you come and and fix things? You know, some of the most crushing blows that we receive are when when we're hurt by people that we love. And that we assume love us. People that we trusted. We say, how could they do that? Why did they say that? What were they thinking? I don't, I don't deserve this. And when that happens, we, we proceed to put up a wall. And we so often say, I'm not going to get hurt again. You know the old saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, you know what? I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to get hurt again. And what we do is we, we kind of go into a safe mode. You know, when your computer is acting up and it goes into a safe mode. So it's kind of a protection mode so that no further damage can happen to that device that will potentially destroy it. We go into a safe mode. No further damage will potentially destroy this device. So I'm going to just pause right here. 
And so often that pause becomes a week to a month to a year to a decade and you're still in safe mode. You're not getting any worse, although you probably are, but you're still not getting any better. So it's that safe mode. I won't get hurt again. We've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. I mean, gosh, you know, back in 2003, our churches went through quite a turmoil. And there was, there was a lot going on there. And there were a lot of people that felt like, man, I've been really hurt by, by leadership. And so, you know, I'm just going to shut down. Let me tell you, that was a difficult time for leadership as well. I totally went into a safe mode. And, and probably to some degree, probably still am. Because I know I can be a little bit untrusting at times. And I, I oftentimes think back, like, well, I'm never going to say that again. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, we all kind of do that. We go into this protection mode. We have to be cautious of that. Because what happens when, we, when we're in that safe mode, that protection mode, is that the, the good things about that relationship, whatever they might be, whether it's a, maybe it's a marriage or maybe it's in a friendship or over church or anything, the good things about that relationship, it can be personal, it can be corporate, get lost by that breach of trust. So at that point, even though there were some really great things going on in your life, it's like that's kind of forgotten because of that one thing or maybe that several things. But it's that, it's that stopping. It's that safe mode. Is that fair? That we say all the good things that we've experienced with whatever it is now, that's kind of for naught because of this, this situation. This is a very interesting story. And I've often questioned why Jesus waited. Why that pause? Why allow Lazarus to die knowing that you're just going to revive him later? I mean, why not just go and, and prevent the death in the first place? Wouldn't that have been easier? Yes, it would have been easier. But Jesus had a plan. There was a lesson of trust that had to be taught. And Jesus knows the best way to teach any lesson. And this is how he did it. And he knew what he was doing all along. I have to teach Martha and Mary to trust. Just like he has to teach every one of us that we've been hurt and we've had issues but we have to trust. We go on a little further. Look at me in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Very interesting response. Who has come into the world? Why is that? Well, you'll see in a moment. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and she went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, which is the big question, could not he open the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Well, of course he could have. So the sisters confront Jesus with their issue. And both of them at different times say the exact same thing. Verse 21 and verse 32. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so there's Jesus confronting these heartbroken women. And they trusted Jesus. They trusted that relationship. And so now they're crushed. And they both say, you could have done something about this. Why didn't you? And no doubt... Jesus felt the separation, that perhaps the trust was gone. But we have to remember, this was all by design. This was forethought through and planned. The question is why? And the answer lies in his first response to Martha in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. Now, that's the very thing that he told the guys back in in Jerusalem. He says, don't worry, I'm going to go. I'm going to fix this. He's going to die. I could go right now and prevent the death, but he's going to die. But don't worry about it because I'm going to go and he's going to rise again. And you know what? Everybody is going to be better for it. I could run right now and fix this right now. But you know what? There's going to be a, a perpetual problem, I think, as we go forward with trust. There's going to be a perpetual problem with, with people not really believing in me and, and, and really even getting who I am. So here's what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to let the guy die. But don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. I'm going to go. It's all going to end up fixed in the end and actually much better. That was the conversation in Jerusalem. The, the, the sisters knew nothing about that. They were not there. So in their mind, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, Jesus didn't come through for us. Something's wrong. See, in her mind, she thinks that, that he's responding to the bad news that they assume he just got. Like, what? Lazarus died? Oh, my gosh. Like, of course he knew that. But they didn't know that. And you look at verse 24. We'll just go back and read just a little bit of this. Martha answered, look, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says, look, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. The one who believes even though they die, they'll, they'll live. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So that's a very point blank question. Do you get what I'm saying here? That if you believe in me, yes, even though you die, it's all going to be okay. That's the question. But she doesn't really get it. And she doesn't even really answer the question. She says at the end of that, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. But that wasn't the question. The question was, do you believe that, 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 that if, if I say that you die, you will, you will live again? She doesn't really get this. She kind of gets it in her head, but her heart was missing it. Because you know what was happening? Her lack of trust was now impacting her faith. And that's what happens. When we lack trust, then your faith is very difficult, if not, I dare say, impossible to develop. And that's exactly what was happening here. She says, I believe you're the Christ, but I'm not really so sure about this death to life part. Because I'm stuck right now struggling with the death. 
And it's so easy to be stuck struggling with the death. And death takes on many forms. A lack of trust is a death to a relationship. A lack of faith is a, is a, a death to your relationship with God. She was stuck. And Jesus knew it. But the, again, the interesting thing is, he allowed it. He knew she was going to be stuck. I need to identify this, this thing that Martha and Mary have right now. Because he saw far more than we saw. I need to identify this thing right now that I think we may have as well. This is a very significant part of Jesus' lesson on trust. If you don't trust, you will never have faith. It will stop you dead in your tracks. And we can so easily be controlled by fear. We don't like to admit that because we think it's a weakness. But we can so easily be controlled by fear. And just like Martha, literally just like Martha, you can be stuck in the middle of a struggle. And she certainly was. And we don't develop faith to move forward because we're just kind of stuck in that struggle. And it can show itself anywhere. You can see it in your marriage. I don't trust my husband. I don't trust my wife. And it's not getting any better. And you're stuck in the middle of that struggle. And your marriage stays like this for years. Well, actually, it doesn't. It tends to do this. It declines. When there's a lack of trust for your husband or your wife, it just declines and it just falls apart. And that's just the way it goes. It can be in relationships. It can be within ourselves right here between brothers and sisters. This happens a lot. Probably more than you're aware of. I'm aware of it because I tend to hear a lot of it. But I know sometimes when there's a struggle, a lack of trust between a brother and a sister or a sister and a sister or a brother, brother, whomever, now there's no more faith. And it just, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It can be in your family. It can be in your career. It can be in your, in your worldview, how you view the world, how you view living in the United States, how you view living, you know, on planet Earth, how you view race relationships, how you view anything. You can kind of be stuck and never moving forward. It can affect how you view leadership in, in, on, on any level, civil leadership, government, how you view spiritual leadership. How you view professional leadership, maybe with your boss or your supervisor, whomever it is. I mean, it, it all works together. How you view church, how you view your relationship with God. When there's a breach of trust, a trust and a lack of trust, faith in moving forward and getting you know, to a better place than all of these just stops. And you find yourself stuck at a point of impasse with no real growth. And that's really not a good place to be. Nothing, nothing positive comes from that. Both Mary and Martha forgot what trust in Jesus was like. Now, if you remember back in verse 2, I said that was significant. There was a time when Mary trusted in Jesus completely, washed his feet, poured oil. I mean, but it seemed like that memory was, was long gone. And she was just focusing on the issue at hand. She was, again, stuck in that struggle. That feeling of, I love Jesus, and I was with Jesus, and, and we, you know, I trust him completely, that was overshadowed by the death of Lazarus. And both Mary and Martha lost perspective on what this was about. Don't do the same. We have to be careful. 
It's imperative that we lean not on our own understanding of things. The way we view them, again, based on whether it's an instant from the past or something in the present, that we don't lean on our own understanding. And that we trust in the Lord to get us unstuck and moving forward. Let's close out the story right here in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, I don't think Martha or Mary had too much of an issue with trust or faith after that. And I think Lazarus was... Probably good, too. They all knew. I know you're there with me, Jesus. I know you've always been there with me. And I know we go through periods where we dip, when we have a breach of trust and we have a problem. And I know that that can greatly affect our faith. But they learned a lesson on that day that Jesus does come through, that Jesus is always there. And God, indeed, as Jesus intended from the beginning, was glorified. The lesson was learned. Life can be messy. Church can be messy. Relationships can be messy. At the level of depth that we take all of these things, eventually it's going to get messy. We can scratch the surface on marriage and relationships and and God, and, and it's never going to be messy. It's going to be nice and neat. We'll be like a lot of churches. You know, we go in, everything's nice, you're nice, you're good, I'm good, everybody leaves. You know, nothing ever gets talked about. We talk about stuff. And when you talk about stuff and you dig deeper, it's going to be messy. That's just the way it is. You've got to get your hands dirty if you're really going to be engaged the way Jesus wants us to. But you've got to be ready for the fact that as, as our hands are getting dirty, that we're going to uncover some stuff that we have to deal with and we have to work beyond. We have to start really trusting. We have to trust God. You may say, well, I don't trust my brother and sister. Okay, well, let's work on that. You begin by really trusting God, just like Martha and Mary had to. Church can be messy. Relationships can be messy. That's why we need Jesus. We didn't have Jesus, we'd still be in a mess. But with Jesus, we can see beyond that. So no matter how things may have been, or even how you think they look right now, trust in God Now listen to this carefully. Trust in God. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And the promise is that he will make your path straight. Amen. Amen. Thanks.